hello and welcome to week one of our brand new series called The Games We Play. This series is going to help us in the road to Easter. Believe it or not, Easter is only a few weeks away. And still, the Easter season is the most attended day in the history of church for the year. You have Easter and you have Christmas. People will come and they'll be a part of those holidays. And so we want to make the most of this time leading up to the opportunity to invite our friends and our family coming up for Easter. Eight out of ten people still say yes if they only have an invitation to Easter. Now, many people will attend because of the holiday, but we know that the impact that our lives have uh, are increasingly greater when we live life on purpose, the impact that we have in sharing the good news of Jesus. And so this series, The Games We Play, is designed to help us discover our story, discover our testimony, discover what God has done in our life, and then equip us to be able to share it with other people, especially as we lead into Easter. Because if we begin now focusing on our friends and our family and people who need to know the love of Jesus and we have an opportunity to introduce them on Easter, you begin to share your story, you begin to share what God has done, man, what a difference could be made in their life as we lead into this Easter season. And so I'm so glad that you're a part of Church Online with us today as we begin this series together. And the heart of this series comes out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. And this is out of the message paraphrase, and here's what it says. Your lives are echoing the Master's word, not only in the provinces, but all over the world. The news of your faith in God is out. We don't even have to say anything anymore. You're the message. In other words, we don't have to go and make a big deal out of sharing the message. We don't have to do anything extra special. No, you're living it out. People are watching your life. They're seeing what God has done, and they're reading the Bible through you. They're experiencing Jesus through you. And that's what we say around here at Cultivate Church. That's what it means to live life on purpose, that people see the work of Jesus living in and through our lives. And so this series, The Games We Play, will really help us and equip us in living that out so that your life and my life becomes the message of Jesus. And so we're going to equip ourselves all month long. The games we play, we're playing a lot of games sometimes when it comes to what God calls us to do. God tells us to do something and then we play games of all the reasons that we can't do it. And uh, this series is going to help really uh, change the game. We're going to rewrite the rules and do it God's way. You see, we're good at playing games. Did you know that there are over 100,000 different board games that you can go and you can play? There are board games based on TV shows. There are board games based on movies. There's board games that are staples like Monopoly. We like to play Guess Who at, at our house with, with my little five-year-old. We play Uno a lot. We've got all these different games, over a hundred thousand different board games that you could pick. Card games, there are video games, and then we've got the big games, especially here in the South, football, baseball, basketball. You've got those games that literally for many people, <laughs> are a way of life. And then we've got games that we all played as kids. 
We have games that it's like uh, just a, a rite of passage. Growing up as a kid, you're going to play certain games. I titled your message today, Hide and Seek. And I want to talk to you about some things that we're hiding. Hide and Seek is something I can remember playing as a kid. My five-year-old likes to play Hide and Go Seek. Uh, he really likes to hide and then to be found. I'll never forget one day at our house playing hide and seek together, and my son would hide, and let's just be honest, he's not really that great at hiding. Sometimes he hides in plain sight, but I'm a good dad, and I just pretend like I don't see him. I'm going to give my little self a pat on the back. I just pretend that I don't see him, and I'm like looking at him, looking over his head. I'm like, hey, buddy, where are you at? I can't find you. And he jumps out, and he's like, ah, he said, I, you couldn't find me. And then I'll never forget, I hid one day, and I hid really good. I'm a good hider. And I sat forever, and my son never came to get me. And finally, I hear the TV on, and I walk out only to find my son sitting on the couch, eating a pack of muffins, and watching his favorite TV show. And I was like, hey, bud, what happened? Like, you, you just left me. He said, oh, I got tired of looking, Dad. I just left you there. Hide and seek is it's a, it's a, it's a famous game. It's one that we've all played many times. Did you know there's actually an international hide-and-seek day. There's a hide-and-seek international championship where adults, grown adults, men and women, compete in a game of hide-and-seek. Believe it or not, in your spiritual life, in the life that we're living, many of us are playing the game hide-and-seek. And so today, through God's Word, we want to change the game. We want to rewrite the rules. We want to figure out what is it that we're hiding so that we can be found in Jesus, so that we don't hide ourselves from others who are around us that need to know who Jesus is and the life change that he's brought. We don't want to hide that from people, but we want them to be able to see it. We want them to look at our lives and say about us, you're the message. People are watching the way that you live. So today, I want to challenge us in three things that we're hiding. And as we look at this hide-and-seek game that we're playing, that today we would rewrite the rules, that we would change the game and begin to live out the message that Jesus has called us to live. As we enter into this Easter season, what we call the road to Easter, as we build up to the number one most attended church day of the year, that we would begin to live out this message, that it would be attractive to people, that they would see Jesus through us. I want to pray today over God's word, and I'm just praying that he would challenge us through his word today. So, Father, thank you for this day, for your word, for all of my friends watching online or listening by podcast. I pray that today you use this word to shape and change our lives. Encourage us to do what you've called us to do, to be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's three things that I think we're hiding. This is a progression of what we sometimes will do in our life. We're hiding a few things while people around us are actually seeking. So your friends and your family and your coworkers, people who are watching your life and hopefully seeing the change that Jesus has made, they're seeking for hope. They're seeking for healing. They're seeking for help. They're seeking for answers. They're seeking for another way. So there are three things that we must not hide. And number one, we often hide our stuff. Many of us are just hiding our stuff. I don't want to embarrass you today. I don't want to bring up bad memories, but I want to be honest with all of us. We all have stuff. 
You've got stuff in your life. You've got stuff that you've been through. You've got stuff that has happened to you. You've got stuff that you have created for yourself. You've got stuff that you've inherited because other people have created uh, things for you. You've inherited a mess. You've inherited hurt. You've inherited uh, a legacy of pain and bad decisions. And you name it. We all have our stuff. And the Bible talks to us about this. I want to talk through a guy named Paul out of Scripture. Paul is one of the founders of the early church. He had an incredible experience with God that changed his entire life. And we're going to spend our time today in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse 12 and 13 with me. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who's given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy appointing me to his service. Look at this in verse 13. Even though I was once, I underlined that statement, I was once. I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. You see, we're talking about our stuff. We're talking about things we've been through, things that we have uh, endured in our life, things that you're probably embarrassed for anyone to know. See, sometimes when we come out of our stuff, we want to forget about it. We want to put it behind us. We want to pretend like it never happened. We don't want our coworkers to know uh, what we used to do. We don't want our spouse to know what our life used to look like. We would be so embarrassed for our kids to know that we're not perfect and that we don't have it all together and that we've got a yesterday that looks a little bit different maybe from our today. But here you have Paul. You have somebody who is a founder of the church, who helped build the early church, who was a minister of the gospel of Jesus, who devoted his life to everything that Jesus asked him to do. And yet here he is not hiding his stuff. He said, I was once... In other words, I have a past. I have a yesterday. I have some baggage that I'm carrying around. I have a history. I've got some things maybe that I'm not the most proud of. I've made some changes in my life. God has helped me, but I've got a yesterday. I've got some stuff. What is Paul's stuff? Well, look what he said. He said, I was once a blasphemer. In other words, I, I was totally against the gospel of Jesus. I told everybody that it was false. I told everybody that it wasn't true. I told everybody not to believe in the message of Jesus. He dedicated and devoted his life to devalue the message of Jesus, where we know that once Jesus changes our life, we become the message, right? Hide and seek, we're trying to live it out. We're trying not to play those games, but no, we're trying to live it out for everybody to see. But Paul spent his life as a blasphemer, trying to devalue who Jesus was. He said, I was a persecutor, and I was a violent man. Did you know that Paul used to go into homes, literally into houses, and if that family were to follow Jesus, he would drag them out of their house and either try to physically abuse them or send them to prison. See, Paul's very purpose on this planet, the reason that he would say he lived his life on purpose was literally to persecute believers, people who believed in Jesus. If anybody had some stuff, this guy's got some stuff. I was a blasphemer. I was a persecutor. I was a violent man. I've done some things that I'm not proud of. I've done some things that I deeply regret. I've physically hurt people. I've emotionally hurt people. I have in, endured and caused and created abuse in the lives of other people. Just like Paul, so do you and so do I. We have stuff. Why are we trying to hide our stuff? Because many of us think, well, if, if we share our stuff, then people won't listen to us. 
People will devalue us. People will, will think that I'm a bad person or that I don't have it all together or we don't want people to know. Or maybe we think, well, God could never use me because of my stuff. What if God is embarrassed by me? What if God doesn't give me opportunities because of my stuff? When you look through the Bible, really God primarily used three different types of people. And I think every one of us fall in line with these three different types. And I think you ought to write these down. These are extra. The first that I say God uses is the unlikely. Usually in the Bible, there's nobody God picked out that everybody went, oh, of course. Yeah, that's definitely who God would use. Makes perfect sense. No, God used the people who were the unlikely. The people that you would look at and go, well, God wouldn't use them. That's not who God's going to pick. God used murderers. He used liars. He used people who had, uh, who had run businesses and, and who were fishermen. He had used people who were sinners and tax collectors. He used people that were hated. I mean, he used the unlikely people. And we are all the unlikely. Believe it or not, I'm not somebody that was likely. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I don't have preachers in my family. This is far different from anything I was raised in. I was the unlikely. There was a woman who had locked her keys in her car. And uh, she didn't know how to get them out. And finally this guy walks by. And she says, sir, she said, I've locked my keys in my car. She says, is there any way that you could help me? And he said, absolutely. And he grabbed a coat hanger. You remember back in the day, you'd stick that coat hanger in. And he picked the lock and unlocked her door. And she said, thank you so much. She said, today, God has sent me an angel. You're my angel. He said, oh, no, ma'am, I'm no angel. He said, as a matter of fact, I just got out of prison. And she looked up to heaven as soon as he said that. And she smiled and said, God, thank you. You've sent me an expert. You see, the unlikely people that come along, that are able to do something that makes a difference, every one of us, God has picked us and he's called us, even though we're unlikely, to live this message out and to be the message of Jesus, even though you don't feel equipped for it. He also uses the unprepared. You see people all through the Bible that argue with God when he asks them to do something. I love it because it makes, it makes me feel better because I didn't feel prepared for everything God asked me to do. I don't always feel prepared for everything God says, hey, I want you to do this so that people will know. See, stop hiding your stuff because I want to use your stuff. Well, God, I'm not prepared for it. Well, everybody in the Bible, you have people that say, hey, God, I can't speak. I've got speech problems. God says, don't you worry about it. I, I, I will put it the words in your mouth. I, I'll use you. Don't you worry about that. You got people in the Bible that say, hey, God, I'm too young. I, I, I'm too young. And then God says, hey, don't you say you're too young. You just go where I tell you to go. You do what I tell you to do, and I'll take care of the rest. All through Scripture, you got people that just say, God, I'm, I'm unprepared. I don't know how to do that. God, I don't know how to accomplish that for you. I don't know what I'll do. Many of us will sit back and go, well, I'm not prepared to share my stuff. I'm not prepared for people to know just yet. I'm not prepared for people to hear what I've done or where I've been. I'm not prepared for people to think less of me or, or all the things that you think people are going to do in devaluing your story. Don't worry about it. Listen, we've all got our stuff. God uses the unlikely. He uses the unprepared. And then number three, this ought to encourage somebody. He uses the undeserving. God, I don't deserve to be used by you because you're still, you're still being held captive by your stuff. The stuff that you've done and the stuff that you're carrying, all the shame, all the regret. See, maybe you haven't fully submitted that to the Lord just yet. I want to ask you a question today, and I think you ought to ask this to yourself. What stuff 
are you holding on to? What stuff do you need to submit to your Savior? What is it that has been in your life, your life experiences, abuse that you have endured, decisions that you have made, problems that have been placed on your shoulders that people have been watching and maybe you have been afraid to address because you feel like you're just unprepared or you feel like you're an unlikely person. But here's the deal. You feel undeserving. And God says, I want to use you. I want to use your stuff. What stuff are you holding on to? Don't hide your stuff. Because number two, when you hide your stuff, we hide our story. We hide our story. Your stuff is your story. Did you know that? That your stuff is what has become your story. You would not be who you are without the stuff that you have endured. You would not be the person that you're going to be without the stuff that you have endured in your past. The stuff that you have is the story that God has chosen to write. Don't hide your stuff because when you hide your stuff, it causes you to hide your story. And your story is one of the most powerful things that you can profess. Did you know that most people do not care about the scriptures that you know? So you're afraid to invite somebody to church. You're afraid to tell somebody about what Jesus is because, number one, you think they're going to want to know about your stuff and you're afraid to share it because you're ashamed of it. But here's the deal. They want to know what has Jesus done. Why do you believe in Jesus? Why have you devoted your life to Jesus? Why do you go to church? Why do you serve? Why is that an important part of your life? Here's what Paul said in verse 15. He said, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I underline this in my notes because I think this is important. He said, and I am the worst of them all. See, Paul said, I once was. I once was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man. That's my stuff. I mean, he just plainly laid it out there. And then here he is sharing his story saying, look, hey, I'm the worst of them all. You see, Paul was a master at sharing his story. Where most of us try to hide our stuff and we hide our story, Paul was the exact opposite. Paul embraced everywhere he had been because he knew that had written the story that he had. Maybe write this down. This is a really powerful place in Scripture. Acts chapter 21 and 22, Paul shares his story in a really encouraging, a really powerful, and a really inspiring way. You see, Paul is out at this point. He'd, he'd gotten saved. He'd given his life to God, and, and he had been miraculously changed by a, just a miracle encounter with God. And so he devoted his life after he had committed to the Lord to go and tell everybody. He devoted his life to it. And because of it, he was persecuted. In the day in which he lived, uh, it was not accepted to walk around and say, hey, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the resurrection, the death, the burial, and the miracle of heaven. I, I believe wholeheartedly in the, in, the, in the message of Jesus. And so he's out sharing it. And because of that, he finds himself in Acts 21 and 22 being beat right in the street. A whole crowd of people had gathered around him and they were shouting at him and they began to beat him and they began to spit on him and they began to uh, cause such a scene that the police step in and they go to arrest Paul. The Bible says that, I mean, he was, he was beat and they're beginning to carry him up the steps. They're going to take him in to prison. 
And when Paul gets on top of those steps, something miraculous happens. Something so encouraging and inspirational happens. As they're holding him up and carrying him in, having been beat physically, he whispers to the guards and he says, Hey guys, he said, can I say something? He said, can I address this crowd? He said, will you let me just say what's on my mind? And amazingly, they turn him to the crowd. And I just picture it. He's bloody. He's bruised. He's beaten. He's got little strength. They're holding him up. And he sees an opportunity not to hide his stuff and not to hide his story, but to begin to share it and begin to tell it. And they prop him up and they turn him to that large crowd of people. And he begins to say, hey, look. I was a sinner, and I devoted my life to persecuting and abusing Christians. But God stepped in, and God changed my life, and what God has done for me, so God can do for you. You see, he was a master at understanding the opportunity of using all of his stuff and bringing it out into his story. Their story is powerful. We all love a story. We love to read a story. We love to watch a story on TV, whether it be real or whether it be make-believe. We love stories of accomplishments in the lives of people. Did you know in 1954, Roger Bannister was the first man to run a four-minute mile? Before he did it, everybody said it was impossible. They said nobody can run that fast. Yet within a year or so after Bannister broke the barrier and ran, uh, uh, beat that four-minute mile, here's what happened. A year after, a dozen other people had also passed the four-minute mark. And all of a sudden, people realized it wasn't impossible. It gave them hope that they could do it too. And over 1,400 people have ran a four-minute mile or better. You see, this guy said, hey, look, I, I know I can do it. Everybody said, it's impossible. Don't you, don't even attend, it's not even, a, it's not even a possibility. And then once it was done once, and everybody observed what had been done by one person, willing to do it, willing to put themselves out there, willing to invest in the outcome of training and doing, and disciplining their body and putting in all the time and all the effort and all the work this guy beat the four-minute mile, and then suddenly other people are coming out going, I can do that. If he can do it, I can do it. If that can happen for him, I can do it too. And that's what God is wanting you to do with your stuff, and that's how he's wanting you to use your story. He's wanting you to say, hey, look, I was abused as a child. I had psychological abuse, I had physical abuse, I had sexual abuse, and I've never told anybody. I've been hiding that stuff, but no, that's a part of who I am. And so God has helped me to overcome it, God has helped me to grow from it, and now I'm going to take my stuff and I'm going to share it as my story so that someone else can say, me too. And if God can do it for you, then God can do it for me. Some people need to know that your marriage almost ended. Somebody needs to know that your marriage was not always as good as it is today that there was a moment that it almost fell apart but you take your stuff and you share your story and they can see what God's done and they can say then God can fix my marriage too somebody needs to know that you used to be addicted that you spent too much money that you were addicted to spending and you didn't manage your finances well and you were almost in bankruptcy or you bankrupt but you bounce back somebody else can say man if that's their stuff and that's their story then God can do it for me God wants to take your stuff 
And he wants you to tell your story. Three things about sharing your story, what it does for other people. Just as it did for Roger Roger Bannister in running this four-minute mile. Your story encourages people. I think you ought to write that down. Your story encourages people. Wow. I never would have guessed that you had been through that. I never would have guessed that you had that experience. I never would have guessed that you had endured that. Wow, that's incredible. That gives hope for me. It encourages me to know that if God did that for you, then surely God can do that for me. Thank you for sharing your stuff. It's encouraging to people. It equips people. It equips people with the strength and the desire to go and to do, to do it one more day. It equips people with the motivation to get out of bed. It equips people with the motivation to say, I need to know Jesus. I need to know if Jesus was the answer for you. I've tried it all. I've tried to create another opportunity for myself. I've tried to create a solution. i tried to fix the problem. I keep falling up short. But you have equipped me with the ability to say, I want to know your Jesus. I want to have the experience. I have been encouraged and I have been equipped. And the number three, I think it empowers them. I think it empowers them. Because as soon as people start chasing Jesus to experience what you have experienced, it changes everything. And the Holy Spirit and the power of God begins to empower their life. But the games we play, this hide and seek, we're hiding our stuff. We're hiding our story. People are seeking for it. And then number three, here's ultimately what happens when you hide your stuff and you hide your story. Number three, you hide your Savior. We hide our Savior. When we don't share the stuff that gives the whole story, people can't see our Savior. They can't see Jesus through your life. They just think you've always been that way. They think it's always been easy for you. They think it's always been good for you. But man, why don't we share the miracle? People are seeking it. Why are we hiding it? Look at what Paul said in verse 16. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience. Isn't that good? With even the worst sinners. Then others will realize too that they can believe in him and receive eternal life. Look at that. But God used me so that other people could see Jesus living in me. Do you know that because of your stuff, writing your story, sharing it with other people, they begin to see the Jesus in your life that not only changed you, but has the power to change them. All month long, we're going to be discovering and we're going to be equipping ourselves in how to take what we've been through, to take our experiences and to begin to shine it out for others to see. So that the life that we live, people will say, wow, we don't even have to tell people about the message. Your life is living it out. When you go to work every day and you have a good attitude and you tell people I didn't always have a good attitude, look what Jesus has done. When you go to uh, your family and you're patient with them and you're kind to them and you serve your family, they go, wow, what happened to you? You can go, well, it wasn't always this way, but Jesus has changed my life. When you used to be in a bondage of some sort of addiction and some sort of problem, but your life has changed and people are going, what in the world has happened? They begin to see the Jesus that is in you and the change that has happened internally begin to be expressed externally. Stop hiding it. Don't hide your stuff. Don't hide your story. 
and don't hide our Savior. People are seeking for hope. Did you know all around us there are people who are deep-seated depression in their life? People are self-medicating at record numbers. Right now, if you look up the statistics of people who are abusing opioids, over-the-counter medications, alcohol, all the different substances that we try to numb the pain, that we try to forget about our day. How many people do you hear say, man, if I can just get through this day and get home and get a glass of wine to give me a little comfort so that I can calm down a little bit. We're looking for something to provide a solution to the problems that we're facing. But I'm telling you today, Jesus is the answer. And people are watching your life and they're looking for, they're seeking for the reason that you have hope in your life. Stop playing hide and seek. Change the rules. Change the game. Begin to share. Share your stuff. Share your story. Share your Savior. What's the takeaway today, Pastor? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to begin to think about everything you've been through. I want you to begin to think about where you've been and what God has done. And how can God use that? How has God taken those experiences to shape the story that you're living out right now? And how can you take that stuff and begin to share your story so that people can see the Savior that has changed your life? My prayer for us today is that we accept the responsibility to begin to live this out. That we accept the responsibility of sharing the story that has been written in your life. Right where you are, can I pray for us today? Because I believe that today, uh, through this message, and just the very beginning of week one of this series, in Hide and Seek, I believe that many of us have been confronted today with some of the things that we've tried to stuff away and we're embarrassed to share. We don't feel equipped and, and we, don't feel, uh, we, we, we don't feel valuable enough to begin to share it. We feel embarrassed by the things that we've done and what would people say and we're all worried about it. But today, look, stop, stop playing hide and seek. Don't hide it. Don't push it away. Your stuff is your story and it points to your Savior. Begin to share it. Begin to live it. Begin to embrace it so God can do something with it. I want two things to pray for us today. Right where you are, if you can. I just want you to focus on this moment with the Lord. And maybe you're here today and you're seeking. You are looking. You're one of the seekers. You're out looking for the answer. You're looking for the hope. Well, I want to tell you today that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the hope. Jesus is what will change your life. And so today, if you don't have a relationship with him, I want to pray for you that today would be your day to say yes to a relationship with Jesus. And then I want to pray for the rest of us. Those of us who maybe have been hiding it away, hiding our stuff, hiding our story. And as a result, we've hit our Savior. Today would be a turning point and that we would begin to share it. We begin to give it away. So Father, today, thank you for all of our friends watching online, listening by podcast. Today, I pray in this moment for any of us without a personal relationship with you, Jesus, that you would just, God, help us to overcome the fear of saying yes. We admit we got sin in our life, that we've messed it up, we've gotten it wrong. So, Jesus, we need you. We need your forgiveness. We need, uh, God, just a miracle to take place. And you've already done it on the cross. So thank you for your forgiveness today. We accept you and we choose to put you first. And God, I pray for all of my friends right now who've maybe felt ashamed. They felt too fearful. They've, they've, they've walked in guilt so long that they've begun to hide their stuff. And I pray today that we wouldn't hide our stuff, that we would share our stuff as we share our story, as we share and show our Savior. 
God, give us all the passion to live our life on purpose, not to play hide and seek, but to go out and live out the message, to become the message that other people see that point to Jesus. Thank you for loving us and for helping us and equipping us to be you who you've called us to be, to do what you've called us to do as we go and we live life on purpose. In Jesus' name.